Thank you for tuning in to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a church located in Lexington, Kentucky, with a heart for God and a vision for the gospel. I'm Derek Holmes, lead pastor. So grab your Bibles and let's hear from the Word. Join me there in Psalm 90. Um, mentioned a little while ago that um, you know it's it's a new year, but also it's a new decade. And I will be um, I will be of a certain age. I'm not. Uh, I'll be uh, turning another decade in my life in a couple of weeks. And so what I'm beginning to find out too, like those who begin to uh, have a little age on them too, is just how fast time does go by. Right? It's almost depressing how fast time seems to fly. So um, you want to think about something a little bit more depressing. Uh, everybody, real quick, just for, just for a second, just go ahead and visualize your bank account right now. All right? No matter how much is in there, it just seems like there's never enough, right? We could always use a couple hundred more dollars or a couple thousand more dollars or a couple million more dollars. I don't know if we've got any millionaires in here, but, you know, if we do, then let's pass the offering plate one more time, okay? Um, but so think about your bank account. Now imagine that you finally found a bank that has told you that if you open up this exclusive account, um, you can get $86,000 put into that bank account every single day. There's a bank out there that's going to just throw, for all of their, for all of their clients, they're going to throw $86,000 a day into that bank account. The only catch is that at the end of the day, the money remaining in that account goes away. It's not there. But that's okay because tomorrow morning, another 86000 is going to be there. Let me ask you something. What would you do at the end of every day if you knew that you hadn't spent through that 86000 Cash that sucker out, baby, and put it in a safe at the house, right? You're going to use You're going to stock it up. You're going to save it away for a rainy day. Because as if rainy days exist when you have 86000 coming to you every day. The truth is that we don't have $86,000 coming to us every day that are non-renewable after this day, but we do have 86,000 things coming to us every single day. We have 86,000 seconds every single day put into our life account every day. And every day at the end of that day, those seconds, whether you use them wisely or whether you wasted them, are gone, never to return again. You can't save them up. You can't stock them away for a rainy day. You can't borrow against them. You can only use them as they come. And the question that we all struggle with in our lives is how efficiently am I using that time that I'm given? Time is one of those things that we kind of wrestle with back and forth. We measure out our year, we measure out time in different things. I've read a lot of leadership books, time management books, and they say, think of your time in blocks. Think of your time like this. Think of your time like uh, a flower. Think of your time like, and all of those things. We try to do that because we just can't seem, no matter how hard we try as human beings, we can't conquer time. We can't catch it in a bottle. We can't grab hold of it. We can't manipulate it. We can't save it up. We can't stop it. It just continues to go beyond our control. The only thing that we can do with our time is use it wisely. That's the only thing positive that we can do with our time. And as the Bible says, to redeem that time. And the thing about time is we never know just how much we're gonna have. If we are going to live for a 24 hour cycle that we call a day, we know that we're going to have 86,000 seconds. The question is how are we gonna use each one of those seconds? And the less time you have, the more those seconds matter, don't they? Every one of us, if we were to go to the doctor uh, in the next couple of weeks and the doctor were to look at us and say, you only have 
X amount of days to live, all of a sudden those days become way more valuable and way more serious than they were before we went to the doctor. Because we know that one day time is running out, but we don't want to think about that. And oftentimes we live as though we've got all the time in the world. Okay, many people live in this constant battle against the clock. Maybe your mornings are a little hectic at your house. All right, maybe you've got kids that you got to get off to school. You got to get ready for work. You got lunches to pack. The dog has to be walked and fed and watered. And you have to fight traffic to get where you need to go to drop the kids off and then get to the office yourself. I'm describing the general morning at Holmes Manor right now. Um, the mornings at our house are probably the most stressful parts of the day. Uh, anybody, else, anybody else with me? Uh, a lot of times what we find ourselves doing is how can we be more efficient with our time? And it doesn't matter if we wake up 15 minutes earlier. All that means is we're just going to be 15 minutes slower. Um, and, and things, especially when you've got a teenager in the house and, uh, and things. And, and I'm a perfectionist, so I have to make sure everything is done just right and, and all those types of things. So what we try to do, a lot of times what I find myself doing is I try to multitask. If I can do two or three things at the same time, I'm saving time, right? In the place that most people multitask, to save time in the morning is where? In the car. You got people that will, anybody, anybody makeup appliers in the car? Then you got guys. I've seen guys that will try to shave in the car. Anybody ever done that? No lie here. I pulled up next to a dude one morning who was brushing his teeth while driving. Okay, seriously, he had a hand on the wheel, had a brush in his hand, and he was going to town. I mean, like toothpaste all over his mouth. I thought he was rabid when he looked at me at first. We pull up to the stop sign, and he rolls the window down, takes a swig of water, and then you can imagine what goes on in the rest of it. People will do all kinds of things to try to save time in the car. People will eat to try to save time in the car, talk on the phone to try to save time in the car. I've had meetings on the phone while I've been in the car. You know, we just do all kinds of things to try to save time. It doesn't matter how much we fight, time is still rolling on as, as, as it wants to go. You can ask yourself this question this morning. Do I, as a child of God, as a child of the king, as a victor, but also as a flower that is quickly fading like we just sang a minute ago, who is loved by God, do I have a healthy relationship with time? Because time, the Bible says, is a gift that he has given us. The Bible tells us several times that we are to redeem the time that we have. Do I have a healthy relationship with time? In our text this morning, we saw in a couple of areas God, uh, God helping us understand and getting his perspective on time. At the heading there in the Christian Standard Bible, which is, which is a translation I have come to deeply respect and admire um, as, a, as a very faithful translation of Scripture. But it says this, it has this heading, it says, Eternal God, Mortal Man. It really holds up the nature of God as being eternal, not bound by time, and us as being extremely bound by time. But God is the one who is over that. So this is the healthy relationship we have. We don't have a say over our time, but we serve one who has a righteous say over our time. He makes no mistakes. So the time you're given is perfect. If you're given 70 years, that's perfect. If you're given 30 years, it's perfect in God's plan. God is the one that is over that time. And he knows exactly what is going on. In verses 1 through 4, the thing that we see here in the battle against time, while we may battle against it, God is our safe place. The Bible says he is our dwelling place or he is our safe refuge throughout all of our generations. In our battle against time, in our fear of time, in our uncertainty over how much we have, God is our safe place. Because he transcends it, he sits outside of it, and he is the one who is dispersing it. He's not bound to it like we are. And in verse number 10, we see that we're estimated, 
we're estimated on average to have about 70 years of time. And that time will be filled with good. That time will be filled with bad. That time will be filled with trouble. That time will be filled with wonderful things. That time will be filled with lack. That time will be filled with more than you need. That time is going to be just have all kinds of different things in it. But God is not bound by that, and he's the one who disperses it to us. And then we come to verse number 12, which is our text this morning, which I believe is the formula for a healthy relationship with the time that we are given. And let's look at this in verse number 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Those first two words that we see in the text, teach us, is the desire by the psalmist to present himself before God and say, Lord, I don't understand this at the essence of time like you do. You have a completely per- different perspective. You have a completely different understanding of time. And so therefore, I lay myself down at your feet as your student, desiring to know how should I view and how should I use the time that is given to me. Teach me to number my days so that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. Father, this morning as we bow uh, like the psalmist, we want to be those students at your feet. That you would teach us to number our days that you would teach us to apply our hearts to wisdom because we don't want to waste our time. Lord Jesus, you never wasted your time when you were here on earth. You maximized your time and you did what you were called to do. You came, you taught, you died, and you rose again so that we could have eternal life, so that we could even look at the time that we have as one that is filled with hope and one that is filled with purpose. And so I pray, Lord, if we're at the dawn of a new year, a new decade, Lord, I pray that as your church, as your people, we would look at time as not just something that we have to endure while it passes, but as a gift from you that we are to redeem for your glory. I pray that you would speak to us now. Holy Spirit, be our counselor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How do we develop a healthy relationship with time? This morning, I will look at four different things, and I hardly ever alliterate things, but this morning, the four points are gonna spell out T-I-M-E. How do we develop a relationship that is healthy with time? Because whether you do or don't have a healthy relationship with time depends greatly on your view of God. The better better view that we have of God, I believe that the better view that we will have of time and a better approach to time that we will have. The first thing that we need to do, that letter T stands for treasure. We have this gift, we have this sacred uh, loan from God that we call time or that we call a day, or that we call a minute or a second. The Bible says here, the psalmist says, teach us to do what? Teach us to number our days. That word number there in the Hebrew is actually an accounting term. Uh, a person who works with budgets and with, uh, with finance would use this term a lot. And it was called my note. Uh, it's an accounting term. It's the idea that, of giving and dividing money out. It's appointing its value for its best use, and it's always used in terms of counting money or valuable commodities. And the Bible is telling us that our days, all of our days, not just the days that we have to ourselves, every single day that we have and every moment that we have should be approached as a treasured commodity that comes from the hand of God. There are things in our life that we should look at and say, that is a gift from God. And I think that we are guilty many times of not noticing God's gifts like we should. I have two wonderful children And I'll just be honest with you and transparent with you, I don't always have that attitude about them. 
I wouldn't always use the adjective of wonderful to describe them because sometimes they don't act so wonderful, but yet they are still wonderful because they are gifts from the hand of Almighty God. I have a house right now that there's some problems with it. We got to replace a door. We're getting a new roof put on it and those types of things. You guys are with me. You have a house that you may have to do maintenance on. When you first got it, you're thinking this is the greatest thing ever. And then all of a sudden creaks and pops and things like that go on. You're thinking, I don't know if this is so great anymore. But the truth is God has allowed for us to have those things, that roof over our head. It may leak, but it's over your head for now, (laughs) right? But it's a gift from God. Relationship that I have with my wife. There are days that Stacy probably would not describe me as Prince Charming. He'd probably describe me as some sort of Disney villain, but the truth is that I'm still God's gift to her. You like how I phrased that one? That was a good one, right? You like how I phrased that? You see, we look at things and sometimes we take them for granted, but we have to realize that every good gift, the Bible says, and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights. And he says this, that he is not stingy with it, and he knows exactly what we need, and he knows exactly what we need for this purpose and this purpose only, to glorify him and to bring peace on earth. A lot of times we look at things and we think, I don't have what I need because we're not looking at, does what I have, can it be used to glorify God? A lot of times we look at the stuff we have and we think, eh, I can use this or I don't have enough because I'd like to spend this or I'd like to do that or I'd like to have this. If it's not within God's glorious plan, It's not something that we should have. But time is one of those things that we look at and we say, this is my time and I'm gonna do with it what what, what I wanna do. But God says, it's my time and I'm gonna give it to you the way I see fit. And the way I see fit and what is best for you is to use it as a treasure from my hand, handed to us directly from God every day. And the question that we have to consider is, do I value my days the way that God values my days? It's hard to imagine a person who the Bible says sits outside of time and time doesn't really affect him thinks so highly of the time that we have. God truly, honestly, I believe, values my time more than I value my time. You know why I see that? When I look at the book of Lamentations, it tells me this, that God makes his mercy and his steadfast love new to me every single morning. Just like manna in the Old Testament. It's there every day. Not only is the time given to me, but his mercy to spend on that time is there too. What that means is there's not a second of my day that passes that is not encompassed by God's mercy and love for me as his child and as his creation. He values my time. He sits outside of time. Time means nothing to him, but but because I mean something to him, my time means something to him. Do you get that? Yours too. Because you mean something to God, your time and your days and your life mean something to God too. And what he wants in return is for the time that we have to mean something to us as well, to redeem it for his glory. The fact that he has given us that, to return to him for his glory. Think about it this way. The one being with all time in the world probably cares more about time than we do. And we don't have enough of it. See, treasuring time really happens when we look at it from the proper perspective. A lot of times we look at our time and we're only looking at it and how it affects us. But think about what time means to other people in different situations. See, the the psalmist requested that God would teach us. What he's saying is, let me see this the way you do, God. Let me see my time. Let me see the days that I have on earth the way you do. And live them the way you would have me live them. But see, if you want to know the value of a year, 
Ask a student that just failed enough courses to have to be held back for a year. They'll tell you the value of a year. You want to know the value of a month? Ask a mother who gave birth a month prematurely. You want to know the value of an hour? Ask a businessman who, delayed, who was delayed at the airport and just missed the big meeting that cost his company millions of dollars. If you want to know the value of a minute, ask the man who had the heart attack at the restaurant sitting next, in, sitting next to a, a booth where an EMT was there who was able to administer CPR before his life escaped him. If you want to know the value of a second, ask the person who barely missed a head-on collision from an oncoming car. And if you want to know the value of a fraction of a second, ask the swimmer who missed qualifying for the Olympics by six-tenths of a second. All time is valuable. There is none of it that doesn't matter. So we need to learn to treasure our time. The question that we have to answer as a church, as Graceway, is are we valuing the time that we have? In April, it will be a year that we have uh, been in this replant process. And we have to ask ourselves this question. Have we been using the time that we have wisely? What would God have us to do with the time that we have to minister here on earth as a church? What would God have us to do with that? What would God have me as a leader of a home? What would God have me to do with my time to serve my family, to serve my community, to serve my brothers and sisters in my church? What would God have me to do? Uh, first, the thing I have to understand is that time that I have is a treasure because it's given to me by God. The second thing we have to do with our time, if we're going to have the proper perspective and a healthy relationship with time, is we need to invest. That I there, it stands for investing our time. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking, like, I, I don't know the first thing about investing because every penny I have has to go to something else, so I don't really invest a whole lot. Some of you are investors, and there is, you have to have a lot of wisdom, you have to have a lot of patience, you have to have a, a good ear to the ground on things to be a wise investor. And that's what the psalmist is talking about. He says, teach us to number our days. And the next phrase there is, so that we may apply our hearts. So that we may apply our hearts. That word apply there in the original language translates to something. It means something that we put something into something else. So like in a way of investing, it was another financial uh, term that I'm going to apply this to something else. I'm going to put this into an account so that it will grow in some way. Um, it's the idea of investing, apportioning something of value to therefore create greater value for down the road. So think about the impossible phrases that we use when it comes to time. We use phrases like, that might buy me some more time. Anybody ever used that one before? Talking to somebody, I think I could buy me some more time. Somebody will say, I think I can find time for that. Somebody might say, I might be able to make some time for that or make up that time uh, somewhere else, but that can't be done either because time is time. It is what it is, and you have as much of it as you have. You can't buy more, you can't save more, you can't create more, and you can't stop it. It just continues to go. The only thing that we can do with our time is we can invest it the only good thing that we can do with our time at least. We can invest it. And if we're not investing it, guess what? We're wasting it. The only thing that we can do in God's eyes with our time is to invest it. The preacher A.W. Tozer once said this. He says, time is a resource that is non-renewable. It is non-transferable. You cannot store it. You can't slow it up. You can't hold it up. You can't divide it up. You can't give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it up for a rainy day. When it's lost, it is unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that time does not resurrect. We speak of resurrection in the church a lot. 
spiritual resurrection. But there is one thing here on earth that never resurrects, and that is time. It is always going, and you can never go back and claim it again. So what do we do with that time before it's gone? What am I going to do with it? I'm going to have to invest it wisely. You cannot save time. You can only invest it, meaning I've got to spend it and use it for God's glory. Time is way more valuable than money because it's like, it, like money in that it can be spent and invested. It's different from money, though, in that it can't be saved. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it forever. We have a lot of things in our lives where we say they're, they're there to help us save time. But I ask you this, show me the time that you've saved. The things that you're doing, say, I'm going to save time. Has it added to your day? Instead of you having a 24-hour day, have you somehow figured out how to have a 25-hour day? None of us can do it. Billy Graham said this in a graduation speech at Wheaton College when he was talking about how time marches on and how we can best use it. He said this, time is the capital or it is the investment or the, the money that God has given to us to invest. People are the stocks in which we are to invest our time. Whether they're blue chip stocks, penny stocks, or even junk bonds, this is where we spend our time, the stock market of people. You want to know where we're to invest our time as children of God? We invest it in other people. But in our American culture today that seems to be very self-centered and self-minded, what we're constantly looking for is, how can I rush through the things I have to do so I have as much leisure time as I can possibly get? Me time, my time. And listen, I'm not saying that me time is bad. Jesus took me time too. There has to be a healthy balance. But me time and off time cannot be the only thing that we're, looking, that we're living for. And we must understand as well that the time that we have to work, the time that we have with our families, those everyday things, that is time that is marching on as well that can be invested for the glory of God too. Life changes and becomes much more joyful when you realize that every moment of your day is lived in service to the king rather than just pieces that I schedule in on a church calendar. Every moment of our day is spent in service to the king with purpose and with eternal benefits and eternal returns. If I invest, I wanna have a good return. And I want to know that that return is going to pay off. I'm not a very risky investor when it comes to mutual funds. and things. I'm very conservative because I'm like, if I'm going to put that money in, I don't want to have a chance of losing it. Here's an investment that you know will always have a return that is positive and eternal. When you invest in the kingdom of God, that investment will always pay eternal dividends. Always. You spend time discipling a friend or discipling a brother or sister in church, or you spend time in the Word with your kids or teaching them about Jesus. You spend time talking to your coworker about the Lord. You spend that time doing those. You spend time serving a bowl of chili in Jesus' name to someone at the Hope Center. Those are always going to have eternal dividends. And you may not see them today, but you will see them one day when God lays out and reveals his glory. And you were part of that because you chose to invest that time for his glory. And the good thing is when we invest our time for his glory, it is also at the very same time for our good and for the good of others. See, where we invest our time reveals what's most important to us, doesn't it? See, a lot of people say, well, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have, I don't have as much time as you do. The truth is we all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours a day. What matters to us is where we spend our time this is where our heart comes in place. It says, apply our hearts unto wisdom. 
So what we spend our time doing is where our heart is usually lying. If your heart's not into investing your time for God's glory, you're always going to view your relationship with him as a drudgery. Let me, let me say that one more time. If your heart is not into investing time for God's glory, you're always going to view your relationship with him as a drudgery. So the question sometimes is, where is my heart at? If I'm looking at things and saying, you know, I would so much rather be doing this than serving God at this moment. I'm not saying you have to do cartwheels and jump up and down every time an opportunity comes to serve God, but where is our heart? Is our heart truly set on serving him? Because if it's set on him, it will become a natural byproduct to take the time to serve him. You see, there's a balance of time. Studies have shown us that the average person will have 35 hours a week left over after sleeping, eating, observing hygiene, and working of the 168 total hours that we have in a week. And what we do with those five hours a day shows just what's important to us because it's time that we free to spend or invest. And if there is one thing people aren't frivolous with, it is time. Simply put, you always have to find the time for what's really important to you. So the question is, how much of that discretionary time are you devoting to the gospel? How much of that discretionary time that you have are you spending in discipling someone for Jesus? Because by the way, that is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. How much are you spending of that discretionary time ministering to your family? A study of 1,500 households at the University of Michigan found that mothers and fathers working outside the home of the two, of the two uh, entities working outside the home, in a, in a home where both do, on average, moms will spend 11, days, 11 uh, minutes a day on weekdays and 30 minutes a day on weekends with their children, not including mealtime. Fathers spend an average of eight minutes a day on weekdays and 14 minutes a day on weekends in different activities with their children. Of the five hours of discretionary time that we have, of the 35 hours of discretionary time that we have, a week. I don't know about you, but if I translated that to some of the other things that I have going on in my life, if I translated eight minutes a day to like sermon prep, well, one thing, sermons would not be near as long. So maybe you want that. But if you spent eight minutes a day at the office or eight minutes a day at work, how well do you think your job would go? So what do we do? We sometimes try to make up for that. So we'll all just have some quality. I mean, I have a lot of time, but I'll just spend quality time with my kids or quality time with these people, quality time doing those things. And what that means is we supercharge these moments. But truly what we have to look at is quantity time. When it comes to deep spiritual ministry, if you look at Jesus's ministry, it wasn't about the quality of time. It was about the quantity of time that he spent. When the children came up to Jesus and wanted a, a moment of his time, what did the disciples say? Get away. He's got more important things to do. What they were saying is, you're not valuable enough for Jesus' time. And what did Jesus say? Let the children come to me because of such is the kingdom of heaven. What I notice about Jesus is when you look at his ministry and reading through the gospels is he never seemed to be in a hurry. Never. He always seemed to just be going with the flow. No matter how many people, I mean, he had sick people, lame people, dead people needing his time, and he had it for everybody. He said, well, yeah, he could heal a person from long distance, man. He, I'm not Jesus. No, we're not. But God will use us to do his work in his way. You see, we have this discretionary time. The question is, how are we going to invest it? You see, 
having that quality time versus quantity time, saying I, I believe more in quality time, so I'm going to have this eight minutes a day, and I'm going to supercharge it with something amazing. What that does is it puts all kinds of pressure on you and on your kids or whoever you're spending that time with to make some awesome memory. And so then your relationship just becomes based upon memories and events rather than relationship. Same thing with God. I don't have a lot of time, but man, I had a minute, so I'm just gonna like power pack a minute verse or a minute with God. God, you know, you got me today. That's right, good. We're, we're square, we're gone. Out the door for the day. You see, saying I got quality time instead of quantity time is like saying I'm gonna turn down this old wrinkly $100 bill and I'm gonna wait for one that looks a little nicer. Still the same value. Colossians tells us to redeem the time by investing in those who need the gospel. So we need to treasure our time. We also need to invest our time because the return of our invested time is determined by the amount of time that we invest, not by the quality of what we did invest. M is next, and that is for maximize our time. How many of you thought it was gonna be manage? Yeah, you already filled it out. I can see you scratching it out and writing maximize in there already. The third thing we need to do, we need to treasure it, we need to invest, and now we need to maximize our time. Stewardship is the idea that I need to manage the assets and the resources that God gives me for his glory. So the money that I'm given comes from the hand of God. So therefore, I need to manage that properly. And, and let me just say this. This is another message altogether. But let me say this. If we're not returning to God what he says already belongs to him, that tenth, we're not properly managing what we have. You're poisoning the rest of it by holding on to that just like we can poison our time by thinking that we own it. We don't. So what we need to do with our time is not manage it because we don't own it and we can't hold on to it. We can't disperse it. We can't do anything with our time but exist in it and use it wisely. So we need to maximize our time more than manage it. Look what it says here. He says, teach us to number our days and apply our hearts. So teach us is being wise. Number is treasuring our days. Investing comes from applying and then we see unto Wisdom. Wisdom. That means seeing my time like God does. We're told to invest our time with all of our hearts wisely. When we invest our time like God intends, we are maximizing. See that word wisdom there? A simple, working, biblical definition of wisdom is simply this, thinking and acting more like God. Or approaching my life with the mind of Christ. Again, like I said, in the Gospels, Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry. Never seemed to be. You may say, well, that's because he didn't have four email accounts to check, and he didn't have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have to be across town in five minutes. He just had a different way of living. No, Jesus was always on time because he valued time and maximized what he had. The question is, are we maximizing the time that we have? Am I thinking and am I acting more like God every day? Or am I thinking and acting more like my flesh would have me act? See, my flesh is going to look, make me look at time and say, how can I wrangle that for my enjoyment? But the spirit will look at time and say, how can I maximize that for God's glory? That's when we know that we have handled our time with wisdom. See, wisdom will look at time and say, every moment that I have is a gift from God and I'm gonna maximize it for his glory. Verse number 10 says this. It says that man is given, is given three score years and 10 and if by strength it's given four score years, which we're given 70 years on earth and if we are really, really healthy, like if we ate gluten-free and we ate wheat bread instead of white, then we might live 80 years and maybe even more. 
we don't really know how much time we have, but that's about the average lifespan that we're given. But what we get from verse number 10 is this. We don't know, and it's limited. What we do know for certain is our time is going to end. So what am I going to do with it? I need to maximize what I have. Why is that? Because we would never be motivated to maximize the time that we have if we knew how much time we had. If God sent you a calendar and said that on March 5th, 2092, none of us will probably be there at that time, March 5th, 2092, you're going to die, we'd probably put off all the important stuff until March the 4th, 2092. Because I'm going to spend my time doing all the fun stuff now and worry about all that other stuff later. If God told us exactly how long we would have, we would never be motivated to maximize the time we currently have. Look at verse number, or on the screen, you'll see Ephesians chapter 5. In verse number 15, it says, Pay careful attention or look circumspectly then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise people. And here's the definition of wisdom. Make the most of the time because the days that you have are evil. That word evil there means they're corrupted. The days that we have are corrupted. So what we have the privilege of doing as the children of God is bringing in some, un, some uncorruption to the day. We have an opportunity with our time to come in and bring in some light and salt and glory of God into a day that is going to be ruled by the darkness of sin and the world. That's our wise approach to our time. That as the church of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, you can spend your day lighting the world for Christ, combating the darkness. And guess what happens to darkness when the light is present? The darkness has to flee. So my days are most wisely spent and maximized by burning brightly for Jesus rather than hunkering down and saying, man, I'm just gonna save up some time for myself. He says this, the days are evil, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So you say, hey, I've got this time. I've got this time in, in my life, so what do I need to do with it? And so what we begin to do, we'll pull out our calendar, and then we'll look at books, and we'll look at all these things. I want, I want to challenge you this. With the time that you have in 2020 this year, and as a church, this is the challenge I'm going to present us with. The year that we have, let's look at this and say this. God, what is your will for it? My agenda is over here. Your word is here. You are there on your throne. Your throne trumps my agenda. If my agenda doesn't match what you are saying from your throne in heaven, then I will submit to what you are saying. That's how I maximize my time. That's my wise approach to time. See, the definition of maximize time is using that time, doing God's will for my life, bringing him glory. See, because time not maximized is time that is wasted and we will never get back. See, there's no shortage of opportunity to waste time, is there? Especially in, in 2020. I mean, we don't have flying cars yet, but we do have Netflix, right? Isn't that a wonderful boon to society? Everybody knows what the term binge watching is, right? It used to be binge eating, now we just binge watch. And that's the cool thing is you can like, those two things can coexist real well. Binge eating and binge watching, they coexist. My khaki pants can tell you that right now. This button, is, somebody is in the way and this pops, somebody's gonna lose an eyeball is all I'm saying. I digress. There's no shortage of opportunity to waste time. Cell phones, scrolling all the time. Our thumbs get more of a workout than anything else in our life, it seems like, anymore. The question, though, is when we stand before God, and by the way, we all will, 
when we stand before God, is he re- he's only going to be interested in two things. He's only going to be interested in your answer to two questions. Number one, what did you do with my son? And number two, what did you do with your life? What did you do with my son? Did you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Did you trust him? Did you place your faith in him and claim salvation through his name and his substitutionary death upon the cross to cover your sin and seal you for heaven? What'd you do with my son? Or, and then he's gonna say, what did you do with your life? So my son, and if you say, I, I trusted Christ as my savior, I'm, I'm, I'm his child, he's gonna say then, what'd you do with the life that he gave you? So was, contrary to popular belief, yes, Jesus died so we could go to heaven, but that's not the only reason. Jesus died to glorify the Father. And when we became joint heirs with him, that means we became joint heirs with the project to glorify the Father too. And our part of glorifying the Father may not be dying on a cross. Our part of glorifying the Father is taking up the cross and carrying it every day for his glory and our good. So he's gonna ask, what'd you do with my son? Did you receive him? Oh, you received him? What'd you do with your life? And the Bible says that as believers, every one of us are gonna give an account for what we did with the time that we were given. And I would just bet that standing before God and saying, man, I binged watched the entire catalog of Netflix for your glory and my good, God. I'll bet that's not gonna fly very well in the throne room of heaven. See, because a wasted life is the glory of Satan. Time wasted on the flesh, time wasted against God's glory is the glory of Satan. So we need to maximize the time that we've been given. Treasure it, invest it, maximize it. And then lastly, and very quickly, E stands for enjoy your time. Enjoy the time that you're given. Teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And then if you look down in verse number 14, here's what it says. Satisfy us earthly with thy mercy, with your faithful love, that we may, say this word with me, church, rejoice and be what? Glad. How many days? All of our days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto the wisdom. And then he says, satisfy us with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Here's the formula for, it, for living a life where we enjoy the time that we're given. Be satisfied by God's presence. Be satisfied in God. Find your satisfaction in him because a lot of people hate the time that they have in this world because they spend their time trying to gain things that are not gonna matter in eternity. Having all the money in the world is never gonna happen. No one has all the money in the world. But guess what? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he disperses it unto his good pleasure. Serving the one who has all of that at his disposal is the best use of our time. It's the most enjoyable use of our time. And we have to understand this, that God is not a taskmaster. He's not a slave driver. He modeled rest to us himself. See, don't get from this message that I'm saying, you can't have a moment of free time. You can never rest. You can never, you can never enjoy yourself. You can never turn on Netflix. I'm not saying that. Jesus modeled rest. God modeled rest on the seventh day of creation. Many times if you look in the, and you look in the gospels and you see Jesus' ministry, it says he had departed to an isolated place or that he had gone to Capernaum. That's where he went to rest and to restore himself. But his rest was used so he could rejuvenate and refresh so that he could maximize his time for God's glory later. A lot of us have it in reverse. We work hard so we can rest fun. God says, I'm going to rest well so that I can work for God's glory. 
It's about how we look at our time. And then his time of serving God was much more enjoyable when he rested properly. The question is today, as we close out, the time that you have right now here on earth. Some of you have spent more time than others here on earth. Have you enjoyed it? Are you currently enjoying it? Or are you just abiding it? Are you just kind of trying to endure it? Just get by. God didn't save us to get by. God saved us so that we could have an abundant life. In that very same verse in John 10, he said that the thief, Satan, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy the time we have. But Jesus said, I've come so you can have life and have it abundantly. So are you enjoying the time, the life that you have? The formula for that is in verse number 14 right here. Be satisfied by his mercy. Be satisfied by his faithful love. So you can, and that word satisfy, you're going to like, this is a good Baptist word. It means to be stuffed full. Like you just went to Golden Corral or somewhere and you just ate yourself silly and you're stuffed and you're like, I can't take another bite. That's that word satisfy. He means be full, be completely full and stuffed by God's love and mercy. See, Pastor, I don't know the last time that's been that way in my life. I've never been that way. It's possible. You have to open it up. You have to take that lid off and let God pour into you. We're standing here at the beginning of a new year. And you may be thinking, man, I barely crossed the line in 2019. How am I supposed to start off a new one? Maybe the best thing you can do is to sit still. Like Psalm 46 says, be still and know that he is God. And when you sit still and you know that he is God, you will be satisfied in him. And when you are satisfied in, in him, verse 14 of our text says, we will rejoice and we will be glad, not just for a moment, but for all of our days. All of our days. See, we don't know what's coming this year. Some of you, it's going to be awesome. 2020 is going to be the best year of your life. But for some of you, it might be the worst. Some of you, it might just, for most of us, it's going to land somewhere in the middle. We always speak in extremes. Some of us, it's going to land somewhere in the middle. There's going to be some good, there's going to be some bad, but overall, we got through it. Understand this year, no matter what comes, it will be filled to the max with God's love for you. There will never be a moment, there will never be one of those 86,000 seconds that God's eye is not on you, that his love is not for you, and that his plan is not for you to glorify him for your good. You can spend your time looking for ways to fill your days or you can enjoy the days knowing that God has already filled them with all you're ever going to need after this life is over with. His presence, his hand, and his plan. So the question as we close out this morning is simply this. What am I doing with my time? Do I have a healthy relationship with my time? 